Hey, wonderfuls, welcome to episode 373 of the podcast with my guest author, Veronica Roth. Very honored to have had an opportunity to chat with Veronica. She is awesome. I was excited to learn that she and I are both very similar in our hermity ways. Uh, Speaking of hermity, I hope everybody's doing well in the current situation. Here we plod onward as various things reopen and we all continue to evaluate what is happening. I am thinking of you all and I send you my best. I had a wonderful time last week with Travis McElroy on the My Brother, My Brother and Me YouTube page. We did a live stream. It's still available to watch if you would like to. It was a ton of fun. We talked about a bunch of stuff and I sang a very silly song that I wrote. So check that out if you want to. I will talk to you guys soon. Um, I think maybe it helps to do like a, like a, I go three, you go two, I go one. Somehow that helps sync in a way I don't totally understand. Um, three, one, blast off the rocket ship that is this podcast is out in the world. Okay, so we were both in the middle of doing some light quarantine complaining, just some light, upbeat, playful quarantine complaining. Um, but we were both saying, like, yeah, there's a, there's just a sort of a flux back and forth of, like, you know what, this is, a, this is okay, we're going to get through this. And then, yet, why did I snap at my dog for doing nothing wrong? Like, w- somewhere deep inside, there will be, like, a little, you know... There's clearly some kind of like little monster still living in there who's very sad and upset about everything. So, well, if you think about yourself as having a finite capacity for just tolerance of annoying or difficult things, then you're using most of that capacity all the time now. (laughs) So anything else is just going to kill you. That's right. That's right. Now, where are you? Where is where are you uh, shuttered up? I am in Chicago. Okay. Chicago is a city that has done better than people were afraid, yeah? I guess I don't know. (laughs) Um, You're probably (laughs) right, yes. Well, in terms of, like, you know, it not being New York or not being, you know, not... Well, our mayor has been, like, driving around yelling at people for gathering in person. Like, literally in her car, shouting out the window. So, (laughs) maybe she's done her part. (laughs) That's right. It's a real get-off-my-lawn, but for the whole city. Yeah. Oh, man. We do what we can. How about now, are you, because you, do you usually write at home? Do you you have a studio at home? Then that's kind of where you create? Yes. I'm a very, I'm a homebody normally, and my husband and I coexist very peacefully together all the time um, under normal normal circumstances. So for us, the changes have been, you know, outside. Like our neighborhood has a lot more people walking around than it used to, which is interesting. Everything you're saying, I might as well have said myself. Yeah. I could not relate more, which is almost like that's kind of weird. Like that element of it's it's sort of surreal in a different way when a lot of your life remains unchanged, but there's a strange unease around everything and lots of other people's lives have dramatically changed around you. And, and it's exactly the same for me, like step outside and I'm like, yep, mm-hmm, nope, this is, uh, yeah. this is not normal. And it feels yeah. oddly, and this is in the pettiest way possible, so obviously like it's a much bigger situation than this, but I feel like other people have intruded on my life during quarantine, which is the opposite of how a lot of people feel. You know, like they feel contained and claustrophobic and isolated. And I'm like, get out, <laughs> get out of my, <laughs> like, I'm just trying to walk my dog and go to the grocery store. And yeah, it's ridiculous yeah. of me. I admit this. 
I know. Listen, we all have our levels of, oh, my God, I can't believe this is a thing I'm complaining about right now. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's the other thing that everybody's just sort of butting up against all the time. But are you uh, so you are someone, too, who's kind of are you used to spending time outdoors and not necessarily everyone also spending time outdoors? Or is it just that you're the, the times when you would normally go outside your house, like everyone else happens to also be home and therefore is like, oh, yeah, by the way. Yeah, I'm here all the time now, too. Here I am. <laughs> it's more the latter. Yeah, I'm not a huge. I mean, it's just cold here. So you don't go out as Fair. much, I think. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah. And, and you know, what's polite right now is to kind of steer clear of people when possible. And so when you go for a walk, it's a little like a game of Pac-Man. You know, it's just like, how do I yeah. get like, how do I navigate this situation? Um, yeah. Yeah. Which is a really which is like this sort of for me, blown up version of how I already am in person, which is very clumsy and awkward and very like, I'm absolutely the person, and maybe we all feel like we're this, but I really do feel like I am this, is <laughs> the person who somebody, you're, you're, you're walking in a direction and someone is walking in a direction and then you both decide to walk in the other same direction to get out of each other's way yes. and then the weird dance happens where you're like, are we playing basketball? What's happening? Like. <laughs> The back and forth of like, oh, I'm so sorry. And then I like, you know, I can't say words right. Like, oh, Jota, why don't you go to, <laughs> this is crazy. Um, it's just that, like, that's my normal life. Plus, you know, the, the everyone else also being in that space. So yeah. there's just so much like, oh, I don't get, okay, I guess we're both, we both decided to go to, oh, okay. All right. I'm going to stand still and you can walk around. Like, <laughs> this must so, be hell so time consuming. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> That's absolutely right. Okay. Um, where are you from originally? Are you from the Chicago area or no? Um, yeah. So I've lived in this area since I was about five. I was born in New York and we had kind of a whirlwind move around the globe with my parents. And then they got divorced and we stayed here. So. Okay. Yes. What was the globe trotting all about? Um, well, my both my parents are uh, European. So my father was born in Germany and my mother was born in Belgium, but she's Polish. And I so I think for them, it was like normal to live in other places, you know. So when I was a kid, we lived in Hong Kong. My dad's work brought him there. But I think, you know, he kind of volunteered for the adventure of it. And then we moved to Germany, uh, where he's from, for a little while. And then this was all before I was five. So I don't remember basically any of it, which is a real shame. Um, I know. Like you guys couldn't have Do you have weird hazy, yeah, do you you have weird hazy memories that may or may not just have been kind of built whole cloth out of seeing photographs of yourself and stuff? (laughs) Yes. Yeah, that's totally (laughs) an experience I've had where I'm like, do I remember that or do I remember being told a story about that? Um, But yeah, I have a very clear memory of a guy that we used to walk past in the park in Hong Kong um, catching a pigeon with his bare hands. And so I just have this... a different, always the same pigeon or it only happened once. <laughs> no, or... it only happened once. It was like a special okay. <laughs> day in the park. And, it, and for some reason, that is the only memory I have. <laughs> <laughs> As a child, though, you can see how you would be like, I swear to God, that is magic. Like, yes. That is pure magic. Exactly. Um, and was we, you plus any other siblings or is it just you and your folks? Yeah. So um, I have a brother and a sister and... I also have an assortment of step siblings and half siblings, but yeah, when I say we, but the people it's, who were yeah, yeah, brother and sister, yeah, that, that's who was getting. Were are you? Were there all three of you when you were yes, I'm up the, to five years old and getting shuffled around? Are you the youngest? Or yeah, what? I'm the youngest. That's a lot of kids to shuffle around from country to country. Yes, my mother insists we were all well behaved, but I'm not sure how that's possible. So I think she might have <laughs> like very rosy memories of that time, right? Right. No, you guys were all great. I was heavily sedated for most of those years, but <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> did that? Does that mean that your siblings would have to go like to different schools in those different countries, or and did you kind of escape that because you were young enough not to necessarily be going to say a kindergarten? Um. Well, I did go to school because they kind of start you earlier in other places. So I I went to Montessori school in Hong Kong. Um. And then in Germany, I was in kindergarten already. So I went to kindergarten twice because the first time I went was in German. (laughs) So I didn't like learn anything that you need. And I was also just not old enough. Um, But anyway, yeah. So my siblings went to a different 
there's an international school in Hong Kong that they went to, and then yeah, I think my sister went to like went to elementary school in German, like it was all in German in Germany somehow. I don't know how she oh, did wow. that. Well, do, at least you can say that you went to kindergarten in the actual country from which we originate yes. the word kindergarten. That feels like it's it got to have some kind of cachet. That's right. <laughs> you're you're very on kinder. Um, and and do you still uh, did did you inherit uh, by virtue of all these experiences and your parents um, the the globe trotting desire? I know you said you were a homebody, but does that extend to like I also don't necessarily love traveling or do you love being at home until you're traveling and then you love traveling no i i really like it yeah i get to go a lot of places for work um which is great because then you end up i don't know seeing a lot more that way when there's kind of a dual purpose to it but i also just travel a lot with my husband um but when i'm at home i like to i'm really committed to it i guess like i don't leave the house very often uh-huh. <laughs> Uh, do you have a place that you, is that, I mean, are you a nester in that way? Have you sort of created a world around you at home that feels like, why would I leave this? Yes. So my office specifically is in a sunroom. So it's like this beautiful, glowy fish tank <laughs> with oh, with like yes. plants in it and books. Yeah, it's great. How long have you been uh, doing this whole time? Um. Wow, since I graduated college. So I was 22 when I got the book deal that was Divergent. And then um, I started writing full time at that point. So once I graduated from college, that was it. That's pretty amazing. That's the most boring thing I could have possibly said, but it is true. It was amazing. Um... It was awesome. Because <laughs> I had been really worried about getting a job because it just like wasn't, you know, n I wanted to work in publishing with books yeah. and I was worried because nothing was coming up and I wanted to live in the Chicago area, but we don't have a whole lot of publishers here. So um, anyway, so I didn't have to worry about that at that point, which was really nice. Yeah. Did you have this? I can't believe I'm launching straight into this because this is like very dicey. But um, <laughs> did you have friends that were kind of like, because that can be hard, right? That sort of early success, if you have friends who are interested in, in the same kind of vocation, or even if they're not interested in the same vocation, like that sort of, that's a delicate age still to kind of be like, yeah, this thing has happened and it's unusual and it might not happen like this for people mm -hmm. that I, I'm close to who want that. Yeah, I mean, it got, for the most part, I was friends with, mostly people who had no no aspirations toward anything even <laughs> writing adjacent. So that part Great. helped. And they were also, I mean, a group of very, very kind and supportive people. So for the most part, it was great. But in a couple relationships, I think it got, it mostly got dicey, as you say, when, um, because I had really profound anxiety. And when I appeared ungrateful or apprehensive about what was happening in a couple friendships mm. that became an issue. So it wasn't exactly the amazing yeah, thing yeah. that was happening. It was the fact that yes. like I was having trouble with it, which I think your perceived is, attitude or ungratefulness. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think was reasonable um, to be worried because I had, you know, a mental illness <laughs> and uh <-huh. laughs> still have it like, sorry, but hey you guys, know. guess what? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But that's hard, too, because that's that is a sort of I mean, that that experience of of, of having success, uh, not feeling like it. Oh, this has solved something internal that is very much a huge part of how I walk through life um, and how to communicate to that to other people. Uh, that is really that is that's really tough. I mean, I think I've that's definitely something that I've that I've sort of had to dance with as well is, mm -hmm. is this idea of like how much of the success that I seem to not be appreciating, if it's a, if it's some sort of critical point in my life or other, um, how much am I not appreciating? How much can I pile on self-loathing to being, quote unquote, ungrateful about this thing that I that, you know, is great that that doesn't necessarily lift me out of a place that is either chemical or just deeper rooted than like, hey, you got some good news. Isn't that enough? You know, <laughs> shouldn't you be perfectly happy now? Isn't that how brains Isn't are wired? Yeah. No. Can't you check that <laughs> off? The, yeah, exactly. 
what was your what? How did your anxiety st- first start manifesting? Was it something that you that you became friends with at an early age, oh, or yeah. did it sort of pop up unexpectedly? Um, yeah. So if you it, like, at one point in the recent past, I went and looked at all my um, report cards from like elementary school, which are really not report cards. They're just like here's a report on what how your child is. You know. Um, yeah. But in each one of them, they were like, Veronica seems to carry heavy burdens. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I know. It made me sad looking back. I was like, oh, what a like kind of grim child I was. Um, yeah. But I didn't really know what it was or what to call it until I was an adult. Mm-hmm. So even like in high school, were you did, were you having what you would characterize as like anxiety manifested in a way that could kind of be pointed to like that was an anxiety attack or Um, was it like no there was just a sort of low level hum at all you know most of the time that was like I was up I was uptight or I was tense or I was scared or yeah well I kind of thought that I was like an asshole I think mostly because um my anxiety in my adolescence manifested as like irritability a lot Mm, um which it still does and I'm just a lot better at identifying it and letting people know that I'm not like, I'm sorry, I'm being irritable. I am just nervous. Um, yeah. But as a teenager, no, I thought I was just like, my emotions were just wildly out of control. But I also, I think it's challenging when you, you have, (laughs) this sounds silly, but it's challenging when you don't have any depression symptoms at all, because you're kind of taught to recognize depression symptoms at least I was. Um, and so mm. I thought, because I don't have any of those, I must be fine. This is just my personality. Um, but as right, it turns right. out, that makes sense. Not so much, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so people would be like, look, if you're having trouble getting out of bed every morning, yeah, and I'm like, no. Don't blame yourself because blah, blah, blah. <laughs> you're like, I'm, no, that's not my problem. So when you talk, when you say irritability, was it, was it just kind of, and was it like an impatience with, the way other people made choices and how they made you feel was it Um, what did that look like yeah it was just kind of silly stuff you know just like having a very little patience with the people around me and especially with my you know with my family and um just kind of generally like avoiding things like it's funny how we naturally know how to kind of protect ourselves um so i would just withdraw from everything and so i just thought i was like someone who didn't like other people and who had no patience and needed to work on like being a kinder person. And then once I started addressing the anxiety, like I became a lot kinder and more patient and more engaged with other people. And it was like, oh, well, this kind of makes sense of my whole teen experience. Okay, we're going to take a break. I will be back after a word from our wonderful buddies at Maximum Fun. Hey, Max Funsters, it's Jesse Thorne. This week on my public radio interview show, Bullseye, I'm talking with Tina Fey and Robert Carlock about creating Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, 30 Rock, and also just kind of why they're the best at everything. There was a window of time when we used to go to awards things and pick up our prizes and party with the people from Mad Men. You can find Bullseye at MaximumFun.org or wherever you listen to podcasts. Just search for Bullseye with Jesse Thorne. When you say that you kind of were what you were, were moody or that you would that you would you know things would feel like they were kind of your emotions would sort of be out of control was it something like and by the way I I guess it goes without saying but you know when we're teenagers uh also that shit's happening anyway oh yeah so when you pile <laughs> you know pile hor- just regular old hormones on top mm-hmm. um was it a situation where like you would be having fun and having a good time and everything would sort of seem fine and then all of a sudden it would just take this very abrupt t- a turn for you emotionally or was it kind of more consistent like would someone else have been like, no, listen, Veronica's, you know, she's great. It's just like, I feel like I can never please her or, you know, she wants it her way or it's not okay. Or is it like, no, sometimes she's great and sometimes she's really unhappy and I don't know, I don't know how to avoid one and not the other. Do you know what I mean? Or yeah, no, I that, totally know what you mean. And I'm just struggling to remember exactly 
<laughs> what I was like. Um, I think it was probably... You didn't get my questionnaire filled out in <laughs> advance where you answered all these questions? <laughs> Shockingly, no. Um, <laughs> no, I think it was more It was more that sometimes I'd be fine and sometimes I, w- I wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. Did you... Uh, were you dating in high school? Oh, boy. Well... Sorry, you just asked the million dollar question. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I dated one guy for eight years, starting at 14 and ending at 22. The old high school marriage scenario. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's hard. It's hard to look back at. Oh, my God. Eight years. Eight years. That is that is a lifetime. I mean, that is like when someone's when when adult people in their 30s have been together for eight years, people are like, God, you guys have really made it such a long time. How wonderful. I know. And so to imagine being with someone eight years at that age, that's like 20 years. That's basically like 20 human years when you're that young. I agree. And I turned to my husband (laughs) at some point last year and I was like, hey, as of this day, we have now been together longer than I was with my ex. (laughs) He was like, finally. Great. It's like, yes, it is great. <laughs> I've been waiting for this milestone so that I can officially retire that yes. as my longest relationship. <laughs> How does that happen? How did that happen for you? Was it was it somebody that you'd known a really long time before then? And so a friendship just kind of naturally turned into this endless relationship that now couldn't end because you were so close? No. So we met my freshman year of high school when I was 14 because I'm a little younger than my just a slightly younger than my the usual like person in my Me class too. oh nice or do you also have an August birthday well I have a February birthday but I went to I got sent to kindergarten early as you did but then because it, my first kindergarten was in English uh I, I skimmed <laughs> through it quickly uh no I went to a preschool that for some reason I guess just like gave me a kin I still don't understand mm. all I know is on the same day I got a a diploma for preschool and a diploma for kindergarten at like this, just this preschool. And then, then the school district wouldn't accept that as real. So then I started in at kindergarten at five and they were like, oh no, 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 we've made a mistake. She does, she does know kindergarten. I don't know what that (laughs) means, but she knows kindergarten. So let's plop her into first grade. So So I was only a year younger. You basically got the like childhood equivalent of like your bachelor's and your master's at the same time. That's, is right. What you're That's me. right. Emphasis on the childhood equivalent. <laughs> that basically means I stopped wetting my pants the same year I learned to tie my shoes. Yep. I think is basically what we're talking about. But Listen, yes. But yes, did I did get two degrees. Yes, I did get two degrees. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So you met him. Uh, you were a little on the young side. You met him at freshman in high school. Was Did you go to a public school? I did. Yeah. And he was... Um, in a band. <laughs> is he older than you? No. Did you say? No, same age. Okay. Right. And okay. um, he was the lead singer of a metal band. But they were... At age 14. At age 14. At age 14 oh my God. He, Amazing. I still feel that he was incredible in that band because he could do this yeah. screaming thing in a very consistent and like very nice sounding way. I don't... He was just very good at it. But... Um, and it was a Christian metal band. So I think part of the reason we stayed together so long is because there was this kind of like religious, like commitment to like the relationship and to being committed and to like dating in order to like explore the possibility of marriage. Like that kind of uh, sort of like conservative religious approach to dating was not the most conservative, but definitely like pretty conservative still was kind of like what characterized our relationship. And that was because he was like that. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Of course, you know, that was what I was getting at. (laughs) I guess I'm surprised like that doesn't necessarily gel with my sense of your parents and them being from, you know, different European countries and living elsewhere. And no. So my family's not religious. I am. I am religious now, but in just a much different way than that. Just to, yeah. I mean, whoa, not we're as much into in the religion. Christian, the Christian metal band. <laughs> yeah, um, it's tw- I'm uh, my my religion is entirely based in Christian metal. Um, <laughs> it is 22 minutes in, and we are talking about religion. Um, <laughs> yeah, girl. I know. Oh yeah. But it's hard to avoid because you know how else does a high school relationship last eight years? Like unless you guys have like this something special going on. 
sure. <laughs> not necessarily a positive special thing, uh-huh. which, you know. Yeah. Well, what? Okay. So, so you fell for him and he sort of set the, I mean, not to say again, like you were in, you were both in the relationship, but yeah, it does seem like when somebody, when somebody comes in with like a strong credo, um, yeah, that's and and it gets established early on. That is that is a, a really powerful kind of influencer throughout. You know, it's really it's kind of hard to look back at in some ways because I feel that I am like an a, an assertive person now, but at that time I was not. He was he had a sort of domineering personality. You were fourteen. I know. Fourteen. You're allowed to not, you're not, you're not, you I mean, of course you're entitled to cringe, but also like I hold myself, I find myself holding myself accountable for younger things as if I were the exact person I am now because there's That's this true. continuity. There's a, you know, there's a through line of like, I'm me. I was in this body <laughs> and yeah. only recently looking back at some of my old journals, did I have to accept like, oh, even though I've, I have thought that I kind of like was able to make that separation and look at that young person as someone different. As I'm reading words I was writing when I was 13, I'm realizing how freaking young I was. Like, oh, okay. There's a new level of acceptance and forgiveness and love that I have to give to myself because that 13-year-old is definitely 13. Mm-hmm. She's not this like 13 going on 30 that I've been pretending I was to yeah. myself without this like hard copy evidence. Do you know what I mean? Yes, and like... At what age did you feel like an adult? Because for me, I felt like an adult at around 14. Which oh, for is sure. A lie. For sure. For sure. I mean, I think that's like for me, you know, jumping into the kind of the goth world and like listening to music that my parents wouldn't approve of and all that kind of stuff was I think some part of me felt like something clicked over because it was such a specific transformation. And for many of us, when we do that, it does kind of, I think it, it's this kind of place marker where somehow in our child brain, we're like, well, I've crossed over into adulthood now because mm-hmm. I've made this drastic choice that clearly exhibits, you know, this rite of passage. <laughs> um, I guess I'm an adult now. And like, you know, these this suddenly half the journal entries are like wizened, like like kind of impressively written like well some of that you know those are lyrics I probably would write today if I were trying to write music still or whatever and then like the next day there's I'm talking about something that is so silly and sad and just like oh no this was also important to you you were 13 I know you know for real 13 you know what's been kind of healing is um interacting with teenage teenagers so frequently because like divergent readers are you know anywhere from like 11 to 80 like whatever um because it reached so far but uh, a lot of the people I interact with are around 13 and they will be kind of like intense and a little bit silly in the face-to-face interaction and then they'll like hand me a note that they wrote like when they were calmer and it wasn't so stressful and they have such smart and wise and like really complex things to say and I'm like this is what teenagers are they are half like totally bonkers and half totally great Could not agree more because I have that experience with Legend of Korra, like going to a con yeah. and meeting a girl who's who's cosplaying as is as that character. Again, I think it's probably and it's a similar type of girl in a lot of cases, right? It's it is this sort of emotionally tough yet incredibly vulnerable, soft underbelly, like you know, those those kinds of young women who. Are think you know it's like we didn't know what to do with our big thoughts like yeah. like our brains didn't have room for the stuff that was rattling around in there, um, and so yeah there will be somebody who's like quivering and 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 with tears in their eyes and they can't articulate how they're feeling and 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 then that same person a hundred percent will send me an email or hand me a letter exactly like you said. And it's and you and you read it and you're like, I would be friends with this person today. <laughs> like, yeah. I would call Frankly. you for advice. This is a wonderful letter. <laughs> yeah. And they're a self-selecting group, right? Like I can imagine that the kind of young person who discovers Cora and the kind of young person who reads books all the time, like that's, that's yeah. those are very special like types of young person. Um, yeah. For that, for those things to become important enough to them that that yeah that they they want to express the meaningfulness to 
some person who, you know, had something to do with it. In your case, obviously, that I would feel probably way more comfortable taking credit than I do for me <laughs> when I'm like, I, I did a voice. I wish I could say that I that any of this beauty came from my brain, but uh, I'll be I'll act as an, an emissary, an ambassador of some kind. But, you know, you have people going this thing that you that you came up with, um, you know, has given me the strength to get through this year of my life or whatever. And I, that's that's a lot. That's a lot to process yeah. or just to carry, I think. You know, I I think I am not even kind of tempted to take credit for it because I'm always like, I, like, I'm so glad that this book entered your life at a particular time mm. and spoke to you in a particular way. But like, it's you doing all that stuff. Like, I really have nothing to yeah. do with it. So you're like yeah. happy to Good have witnessed the, like to have been able to help facilitate it. But it's just like, like a lot of people read this book and thought it was garbage. So, you know. Clearly, like, there's, <laughs> it's not like an, an objective quality that the book possesses that makes you have these right. revelations. <laughs> you don't open it up and a beam of light doesn't shoot out of it and, like, angels don't co- have a chorus. Hmm. You know, shockingly, it is not like one of those musical cards <laughs> when you open it, please. <laughs> Thank you for understanding sunshine. I was describing a musical card. I'm very <laughs> glad that, that that came across. Oh, my God. Okay, so you had your husband slash boyfriend uh, for many, many years. Um, But, you know, that's interesting because I think there's a different level of... I'm, or or maybe this isn't true, but but I'll I'll, I'll use this as a way in to, to ask the question. You know, so much of my emotional life was spent... Um, navigating crushes or you know very short relationships that to me at the time seemed very long um and by that i mean like maybe six months mm-hmm. uh and 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 so there was so much like tempestuous stuff which granted like yes you know when you're young especially that can be the thing that kind of prompts you to sit down and write or you know find want to find some creative way to express yourself but at the same time like it it, it is definitely um it, sometimes my life seems so one note when I'm reading that stuff. And and so I wonder if any of that was kind of peeled back and kind of tucked away because, like, you had that part, like, taken care of in some way. Yeah. Um, do you know what I mean? Well, you're not looking around in the same way. Like, before... It's not the feverishness of, you know, being a single teenager, I guess, maybe. Yes, exactly. And... I feel sad about that as an adult because I'm like, well, that was the time, you know? Um, yeah. But but also, like, I did have a unique experience and I think I, as a result, kind of focused a lot more on my work, my creative work, and then also on school. And yeah, but it was kind of one of those, like, consuming, like, vaguely controlling, probably not enough to be considered like an actual like bad bad relationship but like bad enough you know that it I don't know I look back at it like oof that wasn't good for either of us like I don't know what that dynamic was but it was so like Mm. it was weird (laughs) (laughs) did you but you didn't feel like he was the creative one in the relationship like you were still creating yeah oh yeah kind of mentioned that yeah. Um, Were you I, writing? Is that was that your primary uh, source of like output? Yes, I have never done anything else, um, hobby wise. I I guess I like flirted with sports for a little while because I am six feet tall, so that you kind of like have to. <laughs> it's like a yeah. requirement. Um, I know I've never been. I'm only five ten, but I've still never been forgiven for not being on basket and basketball teams. Like um, that was yeah. So a you sin. so you know then you because five yeah. five ten is is tall. <laughs> Five ten is definitely tall. Yeah, five ten is tall. Yeah, I had and I and weirdly, I actually had like two of my best friends in high school were taller than me. Um, and I Whoa. that is one hundred percent not the reason that we were drawn to each other, but it is kind of a funny coincidence that I would be like with my friend Sophie, who was six feet, and I would feel short. Um, and it was such a strange feeling. I couldn't tell if I liked or hated it, but like I felt like mm-hmm. I had an I had to have an opinion about it because it was so it was so strange. Yeah, no, all my friends were tiny, so I was like. They were like five, four and below in some cases. And then there was me like this (laughs) giant towering. Yes. I'll reach that cup for you, friend. Exactly. That was my job. Yeah. 
So um, you flirted with it, but it was more of a sense of like, yeah, other people's expectations of like, well, come on, don't waste this yeah, accidental it. thing that's been sprung on you. Yeah. Yes. And we had like a little tiny momentary volleyball dynasty in my family because my sister, my sister is six two. Um, and so she played volleyball and she's, she was great at it. And so I kind of like tried to play along for a year and then I gave up, but that was like the extent of my non-writing hobbies. Um, there was like choir and there was a brief stint as a volleyball player. And then there was writing, but writing Uh was what I did every day. Wow. That's so interesting. I mean, that, that is such, again, the sort of discipline of, this is this is just something I have to do. I feel called to it on on some level, which is like a very, I guess, sort of fancy way of talking about it. But um, were were there books that influenced you when you were younger that that kind of prompted you forward, or was it like coming from some sort of internal fire that that wasn't even necessarily, you know? Because like I look back on stuff that I was doing, and I can see. Like, oh, I wrote this, like, I wrote this song because I was obsessed with Rufus Wainwright's first mm. album. And, like, I wanted, like, whether I realized it or not, I can see that I can draw those connections versus friends of mine where, to my eye anyway, or, or to my untrained ear or what have you, like, I don't see the influence. I don't see it coming out of an, an enthusiasm and an adoration of someone else's work. I really see it coming from, like, oh, that's your brain. Like, that's not, I don't see any resource being tapped except for your imagination on this yeah um well so I loved reading as a child for sure um but I don't remember there being so like I can remember a lot of the books I read but I don't remember there being a connection between like something I was really passionate about in the reading realm and then like I have to go write or anything like that the only time I can ever see that happening when I look at my like journals from that period is when I was like 11 years old, the Lord of the Rings movies were coming out. And I had read yeah. them via audiobook with my family on a road trip once. So I like had read them, but um, but mostly it was like the movie. So I wrote like this kind of like, there were elves and there was like a, you know, mythical realm or whatever um, <laughs> and all that. But like, that's the only time I could see the influence of something, mostly... I liked to read and it happened concurrently with liking to write, not kind of like the interplay wasn't as clear, I guess. <laughs> yeah, if I had, I feel like if I had been writing consistently through my life, it would have been like, well, this is a story about a little redheaded orphan from Canada <laughs> whose name was Diane of Blue Gables. <laughs> it would have been so derivative. It would have been so derivative. Um, and what about music? Like, was there a relationship? Because a lot of of, of creative people, um, myself included, like I, there are, there are certain things that are not uh, uh, that are not direct connections, but that are like, yes, I like to write with music, or I don't like to write with music, or do you know what I mean? Like, were yeah. there were even as a young person, did you have a relationship to the setting in which you wanted to kind of tap into your creative voice? Yeah. So I. Also- always write with music even now and at that time um it was always like on the moodier end of the spectrum but never like as deep into those subcultures as other people went so like emo you know was happening around that time so I definitely listened to like dashboard confessional and taking back sunday but not anything else yeah Yeah. (laughs) um and then like (laughs) I was always into lincoln park as as like a preteen and a teenager but then, and then I started dating, you know, the guy in the metal band. Um, and so I started listening to that kind of music, but I could really only tolerate like the poppiest bands that he listened to, which if you listen to them would sound ridiculous <laughs> because they're not um, poppy at all. But, but you know, at the time it was like, this isn't the heavier stuff. This is like the stuff for girls, you know? Um, okay. You know, so there's kind of. an and uh, th- yeah I, listen I, I I I do I I do kind of worry that I'm going to sound dismissive even by asking this and I and I I apologize in advance for those of you who are Christian metal fans um <laughs> and if you are please write me because I want to talk to you more about this uh but but what um so <laughs> I, please, I, I suck at this. Please don't I worry about this. it. It's really You're okay. Telli- so there's so there is like lighter fare but still not that light Christian <laughs> metal fit like like these songs are all about christ 
but they're more geared towards what a girl would listen to. And then there's like heavier, more intense stuff, again, still about God and Christ, but that would be like more like even more hardcore that guys would listen to. Okay, so I do want to talk about that. But first, I want to clarify that the stuff I was listening to is not necessarily Christian. Um, okay, okay. A okay. lot of the stuff he listened to wasn't either. So it wasn't like okay, I can only okay. listen to it if it's about Jesus, that kind of thing. Which I gotcha. Some people I are, gotcha. are like that, but not him. Yeah. Um, okay. And not me, for sure, even at that age. But I uh, gotcha. Okay. However, I think when people talk about lighter versus heavier, it's not about content because you can't actually hear what the, what these people are saying that clearly a lot of the time. Um, right. It's more about the sound. So like, is there ever singing is a mm-hmm. kind of distinction. And like, you know, how much melody is there here? That kind of thing right, right, kind of makes right. the distinction. So um, so he would kind of play for me like an op- like Opeth, which is like melodic and like really beautiful, but still like still under the umbrella of metal. Um, or, you know, just kind of like the, the like more musical sounding stuff. Like, I don't even know mm-hmm. how, yeah. how to explain. No, yeah. I get it. I mean, I, I definitely get it. Cause there is definitely metal that really is just like, it's just guitar. It's just like rhythm, guitar noise and screaming. Yes. And, and I don't mean that, uh, like, I, I really don't mean that um, sort of diminishingly, um, like even some of the kind of like, you know, Norwegian death rock or, you know, metal and stuff yes. where you're like, well, you're like as- this is, yeah sorry as with anything there's the more accessible stuff and the less accessible stuff which we see in every area of culture really so i'm with you yeah i get it i don't really listen to Uh, it anymore so you're not gonna offend me (laughs) well that just but but that would be an interesting thing like to me that's like you know i i can't imagine writing to metal but would you write to metal in addition to emo stuff um sometimes yeah it would have to be like pretty chill otherwise it's distracting yeah Um, Yeah. and then i also like secretly sneakily without letting anyone ever look at my ipod listen to like pop music (laughs) okay (laughs) uh yeah yeah. Needing to maintain a, an identity that it, that can, that I mean, the, obviously, there's a version of, of teenagerhood where there is a sort of like unabashed like, yeah, I listen to hip hop and I listen to the Indigo Girls and I listen to, you know, the, yeah. I listen to uh, Ani and I listen to, you know, Kelly Clarkson and like, I don't give a shit um, versus, you know, like feeling like people have an expectation of what your taste level is and whatever that is, you have to sort of like stand behind the wall of defense of that. Yeah. Um, Well, those, what you're describing, the like kind of confident teenagers, man, like I'm impressed with anyone who can be that way at that age, because I was just so obsessed with cultivating a very particular identity, which was not exactly in line with my actual identity. Cause I wanted to like <laughs> seem really tough and cool and like, not like the other girls, you know, one of those right. teenage girls. And, um, yep. and now I look back and I'm like, Oh, if you could have just relaxed and like been yourself, you would have had a much better time. Oh, well. Yeah. Did you, were you into like going, going and seeing movies? Would you get like, I would, I mean, I was just very, I was very nerdy about kind of wanting to talk about movies and like having this sort of encyclopedic knowledge that I don't even remember trying to cultivate. It was just one of those things that when you're young and your brain is mushy and a sponge and you happen to be into something, you Mm -hmm. just like, you're just retaining stuff like that. You don't even, you're not even trying to. I don't think... No, I didn't really go to movies unless there was like a group. And usually then it was whatever they were seeing. Yeah. Um, but no, I don't remember being being particularly into movies ever. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for me, that was definitely like some type of food, some type of brain mm. and, and emotional food as as a younger person. And that feeling of of of. Uh, people who listen to this podcast frequently know like just that feeling of of needing to own something like needing needing to like being so 
moved by something and suspecting that that was probably true for a lot of people and that being very scary somehow. Like, no, I I, I don't want everyone to understand these lyrics the way I understand them because they <laughs> these lyrics are so important to me that if I have to share them with a bunch of other people, maybe maybe they lose their power or maybe I'm less interesting of a person or, you know, those sorts of like measurements that were, again, like very, very scary somehow in terms of like identity and value. Yeah. Oh, man, I remember those feelings. It wasn't about movies, but just that feeling of like, if other people like it, then I'm not as special, which means like, what am I worth, really? Um, Which is just so terrifying. Like I, I think some people carry that around into their adulthood. And I feel sad for them. But I'm glad. Yeah. I'm glad I was able to let that go <laughs> as, as an adult, I think. I know. Me too. And that's one of the things that I, I enjoy about cons is, I mean, I'm sure there is like a deep level of that happening uh, all the time in places like that as well, because the, the there can be such fierce passion and enthusiasm for 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 certain things. But but just the fact that a group of people wants to get together who, who all love the same thing and talk about that thing yeah. was not something that I would have wanted to do. I, I, I did not want to talk about loving this movie with 50 other people. I wanted to like write about it in my journal and feel like I was the only one who really got it, you know, (laughs) rather than being like, oh, I feel known. I'm understood by this group of people, you know? Yes. I think what you're, what you're pointing out is like the, some people go to cons and they want to be understood, right? Like they want to have an interaction with someone where they're like, oh, someone finally gets me. These are my people, et cetera. Um, Exactly. a lot of teenagers, including me, when I was a teenager, it's like, no, I want to be misunderstood because yeah. like no one can possibly comprehend the depths of my being. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's right. Don't even try. You'll fall into this chasm and you'll never crawl out again. That's how deep I am. I am extraordinary. Uh <laughs> Yeah. And maybe part of that is like, I don't know, like, especially if you're somebody who's who has those insecurities, um, uh, those those certain types of insecurities who aren't just like, you know, sort of out there um, going, yeah, I don't care what you think, because I love this and this or whatever, um, that maybe that is some sort of like, maybe that is some kind of reinforcement towards um, believing in yourself in some way that maybe that's necessary for some of us. Like we need that kind of protective shell to continue making stuff so that we don't just go, oh my gosh, I'm so ordinary. What could I possibly contribute to the world? What could I possibly come up with that would be, you know, interesting or unique or a value? Yeah, you know, I really love that way of looking at it, actually, because I think that's really a huge part of it. Just, um, I would never be able to write if I didn't believe that I had something to say and that I was the only one who could say it. So there is like a level to which you have to believe that like you are special because you have a very particular voice and mindset and viewpoint on the world that needs to be shared, right? The arrogance of being a creative person. But, and I don't know if I would have had that if I hadn't like bullied myself into believing it all throughout my teenage years. And then of course, like there has to come a time at least man, I hope for everyone where you can let it go and be like, okay, well, I don't need to be like the most special and most deep and most interesting person in the world in order to say something that has value. Oh, oh, it's time for a quick break. I will be back after a word from our friends at Maximum Fun. Macho man to the top rope. The flying elbow, the cover. We've got a new champion! We're here with Macho Man Randy Savage after his big win to become the new world champion. What are you going to do now, Match? I'm going to go listen to the newest episode of the Tights and Fights podcast, oh yeah. Tell us more about this podcast. It's the podcast of power, too sweet to be sour, funky like a monkey, woke discussions, man, and jokes about wrestlers' fashion choices, myself excluded. I can't wait to listen. Neither can I. You can find it Saturdays on Maximum Fun. Oh, yeah. Dig it. Well, listen, I want to get into this MASH game with you. I guess I didn't warn you this was coming. So if you don't know what MASH is or if you're not. I know about MASH. Okay, we're we're in good shape. We're in good shape. (laughs) Everything is right in the world. 
even though it's super not. But in this tiny world of MASH right now, everything is right in the world. Uh, okay, well, let's start off with the category of uh, let's let's give you the ability to teleport and to have um, the as much to yourself of these places as you could want. Three places in the world that it would be wonderful to be able to kind of teleport to and then just have a little hideaway that you can disappear to. You mean like based on my current preferences? Yeah, based on your current preferences. And do you mean like a very specific location? <laughs> I'm going to be very technical about this. Sorry. No, I like this. I, I'm I, I'm glad that you're that you're pushing me on this. Well, first of all, it's your game, so I want you to feel mm. open to saying, you know, for one category, I'm going to say anywhere in Belgium, but for another category, I'm going to say this very specific beach in Hawaii or whatever. Okay. Okay. Well. Uh, like I can work with that. I can work with that. Yes. Yeah. I need. I'm one of those people who's like, I need parameters. Otherwise, the amount of ideas it. is too overwhelming. Um. <laughs> so three places in the world. Okay. Well, um, I love Australia. So I'm gonna say the Gold Coast or the Sunshine Coast of Australia. Great. It's not the Gold Coast. That's in Chicago, Veronica. And then. I also love it here. So can I pick Chicago? Is that allowed? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Um, and then my third one would be, uh, oh, well, my husband and I frequently visit his family in Romania, um, and I really love it there. So that'll be my third option. Wonderful. Wonderful. Uh, okay, next category. Let us do, I'm going to get into the food category. I can't help myself. I love it too much. Th- uh, three things that in this reality are either ecologically responsible or highly caloric or you're, you know, you're allergic um, or that's very hard to get and you can't just have it whenever you want it. In this alternate universe we're creating, you can have whatever you want at, at the snap of your fingers and there are no ramifications. So these mm. are three things that you'd love to have in perpetuity as much as you want and it's all fine. Well... Number one is bread. Yep. <laughs> I I do consume bread, but you, one cannot consume as much bread as I would like to consume. So, agreed. Bread. A thousand percent agreed. Um, what else? Hmm. I feel like I should pick the things I'm like vaguely allergic to. Eggs make me sick, so I'm trying to think of like the best. Then I guess uh, cake. Great. Third. Hmm. I mean, I'm just like a the queen of starch, I guess, because I. I eat like it's absurdly bland food and it's what I like. <laughs> so, I, you know what? I get it. Um, hmm. <laughs> so I guess just pasta. Yeah. Right? Basically Nothing wrong with that. a form of bread. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. There are so many Italian foods that just feel like, oh, you just got this right in such a profound way. And it's so simple. Um, like why overcomplicate it? And yeah. I think pasta is absolutely and bread like those things are just things you're like, yep, there's a reason that everyone loves this because it's divine and it's not super fussy. Yeah. Um, uh, great. OK, so next category, let's do let's do three. <laughs> I'm overcomplicating this for myself now. Um, let's do three people from history. They can be artists, um, his, you know, just historical figures of some kind. Um, but three people that it would be interesting to sort of have a conversation with or spend a day with and uh, and l- let them be either a window into the world that they were a part of or just sort of see what this person is really like beyond the scope of, of the work that you know them for. Oh, boy. Um... I'm one of those people where if you ask me a question like this, I'll immediately forget all people who have ever existed oh, uh, that I've I, ever been yeah, interested I'm in. The, that's <laughs> the awful thing about this is that I'm one of those people. So you would think that I wouldn't have picked a game that cruel. subjects everyone else to that. It is extremely cruel. Um, yeah, no, no, no. I've, I for sure am like, what does a person look like? <laughs> who a are person, people? you say? I know I've heard that word somewhere before. <laughs> Um, well, and it could also be like, this is not your, like, you know, you're taking this to your grave answers. It's like, this yes. is what, this is what I was thinking about in the moment. I just watched this movie about blah, blah, blah last night. So that's my answer today. You know? Yes. Well, okay. In that spirit, then I would love to chat with Monica Lewinsky. I've been, right? <laughs> I've been listening to her talks and all her interviews and stuff recently for various reasons. And I just, man, what an interesting yeah. 
person who yeah. had such a difficult time. Um, oh, yes. I know. Okay. And so Monica Lewinsky, person number two. <laughs> number one with a bullet. I couldn't be more sure of this one. I've been waiting to be asked this for years. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready with it. Um, oh, man. And then uh, why are all of mine alive? Um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Great. Want to talk to her. Make sure she's okay. Yes, indeed. Uh-huh. And my third person, I feel like I should pick someone from history. Okay, well, there, I don't, I don't know if it's like confirmed that this person ever existed exactly, but have you ever heard the legend of Kutalun? She is a Mongolian princess. Um, and I read about her recently, but she was so strong and so good at wrestling that like in order to have her hand in marriage, her father declared that like they'd have to beat her at wrestling. Otherwise they'd have to give him like 200 horses or give her 200 yes. horses. Yeah. And yes. she gets an army of like 10,000 horses because no one can beat her at wrestling. I would love to meet that woman. <laughs> yes. What a great. Yes, absolutely. What a great legend. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Next category. Let's do three creative skills that you either would like to be better at or that you feel like you have you know no ability towards at all at this point but to we're going to give you the the ability tomorrow to wake up with with like we'll say three things that you would love to wake up with and be like oh I can paint Mm. or I can you know we're sort of leaning into the the creativity side of this now because the next category uh spoiler alert will be like sort of hands-on handy mathematics you know handiwork like that Mm -hmm. sort of thing not to say that those two things are uh separate from one another so it's it it can also be whatever that means to you if if mathematics are beautiful and an art to you then by all means they belong in this category do you know what i mean (laughs) yes i i'm with you um well drawing always wanted to be able to draw um and singing that would be great and oh gosh uh, I find I think it would be useful to be able to act, which I cannot do even a tiny bit. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm so bad. <laughs> how 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 many times have you tried? Um, very few. But even yep. I was I was an extra in the Divergent movie, and even that, where I didn't have to speak and I didn't have to do anything, they had. I mean, I slowed things down for us. So I was like. <laughs> Wait a minute. I, but listen, I got to tell you, that to me is a nightmare. Like the idea of the <laughs> thing I wrote being adapted into a film where I'm just there, but I don't really have a purpose in the same way I would if I were acting a character. That to me sounds really hard. It like was... as a person who does it professionally, that sounds like, what do I, <laughs> what am I doing? Why am, what What do I, should I move my, what ha, What do I do with my hands? Like, what do I? <laughs> I know. Oh my god. It was it was horrific because everyone was staring at me and I think that is what made it worse. Um yeah. but but even like in high school if I tried out for a musical or something like <laughs> I can't I can't even describe it to you. It's really bad. <laughs> Ah, I find that charming. Okay, well, maybe in this alternate universe, we'll be giving you a, a real set of acting chops. We'll find out. Um, okay, next category, as I said, let's do um, utile skills, uh, whatever that means to you, three. Okay, so like carpentry? Great. Carpentry. Yes. Um, utile skills. <laughs> I've never used that word, that term in my entire life. I don't know why I said it like it was some accepted thing that people talk <laughs> is about. It, what is kind it of utile word? skills do you have? I doubt it. Um, I, I know guess. what utility is. I guess I just thought if I shortened it, it would turn into a word. I'm going to start using it. We coined is it, it utile? now. But utile. tell me, is it utile? The fact that we're doing this now, should we do it? Is it utile? <laughs> Nothing has ever sounded less like a word. <laughs> Oh my god! Um, mm, oh, I would love to be able to like fix cars, like mechanically. Yeah. <laughs> That's a word, yeah. right? There you go. There you go. I'm looking up utile, and I'm gonna tell you right now. First of all, useful. Well, guess what? Hundred percent right. real. Hundred percent used properly. How disappointing! Uh, I know. Uh, okay. Kind of um, Car mechanics, great. And like horticulture. Beautiful. All right. All due respect to your wonderful partner in life. This is a mash game. We do need to get into some romance. This can be anyone, anything, any character in a book, any 
famous person from any time in history, any age. I do not care. Three. Oh my gosh. Three. Okay. Feel free to be the like fifth woman who has said that they would like to have a sexual relationship with a fox from Robin Hood. Oh my God. The fox from Robin Hood. He was hot. See? <laughs> but he's not one of my three. Um, <laughs> so. Uh, well, um, I feel like Harry Potter has to be one of these. Right. Not Daniel Radcliffe. Harry Potter. Just Harry to be Potter. clear. Yes. Yeah, yes. I mean, Daniel Radcliffe seems lovely, but anyway. Um, and then, gosh. If you want to feel tall, I'm sure you've been around Daniel Radcliffe. I, I have been around him but once, and I definitely was like, I am the largest woman who has ever existed on the face of the earth when I was standing next to him. He's particularly short. He's very petite. But he, he wears it well. He does. He absolutely does. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then... Um, I forget that. Oh, his name is Patterson. Um, the main character in the movie Patterson, whose name is also Patterson, played by Adam <laughs> Driver, but not Adam Driver, the character. <laughs> Patterson. Yes. Patterson. Fair and understood and accepted like, and applauded. Mm, thank you. Um, and third, who did I have a crush on like as a child? I feel like, oh, Keanu Reeves. Duh. Oh, great. <laughs> Keanu Reeves, who suddenly everyone acknowledged as, like, the best human being on the face of the earth. I did not see that coming. I know, that was Not to say I thought he was a jerk in any way, shape, or form, but I just didn't have a sense of him. Like, I didn't have a concern about him as a human person off screen. Do you know what I mean? I was like, yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. He's going to get on screen and do this stuff. Well, And then suddenly everyone was like, he's amazing, which is I had a crush on him because of The Matrix, which I watched in sixth grade, which is my, like, you know, your peak, like, have a crush on a oh yes boy period um but then yeah lifelong fan i don't know he's charming his acting is wooden but he is charming <laughs> <laughs> sorry Keanu. like charming. i don't know that's not the point he's very charming. yeah it's not that's there's it, it's listen it's it's layers there's layers here there's layers mm-hmm. um okay next category let's do three uh alternate let's let's do this is going to be sort of like vacation home but this is going to be you can sort of fold into an imaginary world be it one from a book or from a movie there are three three places that don't really exist or it could be like the moon or undersea uh mm. but but three unreal unrealistic places that you would love to be able to just disappear into at will and and be a there for as long as you like or as short as you like yeah so i would like like a deep sea house that would be good great and also a spaceship right Mm -hmm. what's my other Mm. oh like like a i was trying to think of a house on a cliff but those exist (laughs) in real life (laughs) i just had the craziest idea in the history of crazy ideas imagine a cliff now imagine i can't even say it (laughs) oh my god um I'll give you your cliff house. I'm not afraid. Okay, what if it like hovers really over yeah. the edge of a cliff? Like, impossibly? oh yeah, for sure. Listen, okay. no one is saying it's smart to have like a wonderful house on the edge of a precarious cliff. So we're gonna give it that magical quality that allows it to be uh, yeah. safe in a way that certainly that house would not be otherwise. Cliff adjacent um, great. hover house. Cliff, cliff, adjacent, cliff adjacent hover house. Obviously, <laughs> obviously, Janet. Oh, uh, wonderful. Okay. Um, and now let's do three musicians, composers, singers, songwriters, bands from any time, any era that um, that you would like to be able to say, like, I mean, and I, this is very loaded, so do with it what you will. Yeah, they wrote a song about me. Well, okay. Radiohead. Great. Um, Taylor Swift. <laughs> Beautiful. This is what we're talking about. <laughs> Love it. Okay. Uh, and lastly, hmm. oh, Bob Dylan. Great. Many people say he won the Nobel Prize because of his amazing depiction of no. Um, <laughs> if uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to do my little squiggle. So just for these next couple of seconds, you know, decide when you want me to stop. I'm starting now. Stop. Uh, I am going to uh, do a little minor, low-key, non-math. Um, sure. I can... Do, do you have stuff that you can tell people about that they need to be checking out that's uh, that's oh, oh, yeah. that's yours and that you're excited about? Because if yeah. you can do that while I'm doing this, then that will be a perfect use of the time. Great. 
Okay. Well, um, my first book for adult readers just came out in April. While under quarantine, it is called Chosen Ones. Um, and it's about a group of people who saved the world when they were teenagers. And now it's 10 years later and they've got issues. <laughs> um, <laughs> and also the world still has issues. So that is what it's about. Um, and that's pretty much what I've got going on right now. Otherwise, I want to be just... clear that I knew that you had a recent book, but I had to do that host thing where you're like, now, do you have anything oh, that you yeah. would like to tell people about? <laughs> no, I appreciate uh, it. And I uh, I was not concerned. But yeah. Okay, good. Uh, okay. I am very excited. This is a real eclectic uh, series of results. Oh, I'm um, excited. First of all, I want to congratulate you for your mansion in Romania. <laughs> great <laughs> your your beautiful vast romanian mansion beautiful country mm. uh replete with a, a nice manor and mansion or castle or two as i understand it so yes indeed um so you can look forward to that i i feel certain that you will have like you know multiple kitchens uh it's certainly one that is just for bread uh, which will be yes. at your disposal in all shapes and forms in perpetuity with zero ramifications I want to congratulate you, too. Now, listen, I don't know if you built that whole mansion yourself, but you could have because you have some <laughs> real killer carpentry skills, real killer carpentry skills. That's very I exciting. like to imagine you. Yeah, I like to. Oh, you know what? And it may not be that it's it may not be that you you, you maybe didn't build the, the mansion in Romania, because my guess is that probably has some history to it. It's probably been around longer than you. But you probably did hand build your cliff adjacent hover house. Yes. <laughs> I was hoping for that one. Yeah, you definitely got it. And again, carpentry skills out the wazoo. Uh, I want to congratulate you uh, too on your uh, beautiful singing. I like to think of you um, working away uh, with your hands there, just singing beautiful, beautiful, <laughs> melodious tunes. Um, if you want to take it pro, feel free. But I like the idea of you singing while you're working. Um, I want to also congratulate you on your, uh, I, and I don't know, it's, is it weird if you cover your own song that someone else wrote about you because you're such a beautiful singer? I think Taylor Swift would be fine with it. Oh, yeah. Uh, but she did write a fantastic song that is yes. for you and about you. Um, and I believe that is it other than that you have this, uh, you, you have the opportunity to, to chum around with Ms. Monica Lewinsky. All so right. that's going to be some uh, some some fun bonding times. Monica I and Veronica. Monica right. and Veronica. <laughs> What's not to love about that TV show? Uh, and then you are enjoying all of this uh, wonderful mystery and adventure with, and I want to be very clear on this: the character from the book, Harry Potter. <laughs> oh my God, that's the he probably helped me with my hover house. I think there's charm? a very good chance, a very good chance he got involved in the in the construction uh, of the ho- of the hover house for sure. Um, so life. that is your yeah, not too bad, huh? That is your th- that is your beautiful 100% guaranteed alternate universe mash future. I want to thank you so very much for doing the podcast. I've been very much looking forward to this, and uh, and and it has 100% met all of my my hopes and expectations. Well, um, thank you for having me. This was so much fun. I look forward to us both wondering why our streets are so crowded <laughs> as we go outside. I know. Go home, people. <laughs> listen, get listen, everybody. Just yes, take care of yourselves. That's all I can ask. Please, everyone, uh, check out the new book, and uh, I will talk to you next time on the podcast. The show is recorded by me and edited by Julian Burrell, and as always, the JV Club theme song is Back Before We Were Brittle by the amazing Say Hi. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned, audience supported.